makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Joshua. Ambetu Wastelo, Chante Waste, Nape Chuzapiello, Le Unkipiki Hewastelo. Greetings and good day and welcome. I shake your hands with a good heart. It's good for all of us to be here. Since 1992, this is First Voices Radio. Antiochus and Ghost Horse sending you greetings and strength from the highlands of the Asopas in the lands of the Munsee speaking Lenape. This is an all native hosted, all native produced First Voices Radio and Liz Hill, the producer of First Voices Radio. And you can hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, as well as First Voices, IndigenousRadio.org for archive, downloading, and listening. Colonization is a political agenda of an ideology quite often associated with forcing non-Westernized peoples who suffer from the consequences of colonization and the appropriation of land use benefiting the colonizer. Progress is quite often rationalized as the eminent good for all people, including the original peoples of a particular region, in this case, the indigenous peoples of Gauca in Colombia, the Konai, or Confederation of Indigenous Nationalities of Ecuador, the Mapuche of Chile, all in Abiyala, or what is now called South America. Dr. Manuel Rosenthal is a longtime Colombian activist, researcher, and community organizer. Manuel's been involved with grassroots political organizing with youth, indigenous communities, and urban and rural social movements for four decades. He's part of an initiative, Pueblos en el Camino peoples on a path with a mandate to weave autonomies and resistance between peoples. And now, Manuel Rosenthal. That word progress kind of gets in our way when we really look at it. I'm, I'm currently lo- working with some folks that are decolonizing the language. We already know what the problem is, but we keep regurgitating the solutions. The solution is the problem. The globalization, which is really colonization, you know, you, you have things going on in so-called South America that we don't know about hearing up here in, in so-called the belly of the beast because South America is one of our extractions and even mesmerize the people in South America that look, you have to be as standardized or qualified to think like an American from the North. And Natives and other people of South America, to me, don't understand as well because they're still trying to acquire the dream while Earth is suffering. And I think that's part of the work that we do. And I want to commend you on that before anything. Honor you that way, Manuel, in a good way. 
Thank you, thank you, and it's always wonderful to to be in touch with you, to listen to you, and to feel your spirit coming out. And then your this initial statement is a gift to me. And I would like to begin where you started to tell you a little bit about what's going on recently within the long history. Put the current juncture in a long history. And you began with one word, progress. And that word is key to understanding the context in, in Abiyayala, the south of Turtle Island. And uh, this context is very important because it is marked by what has been labeled the leftist progressive government. And that began with Hugo Chavez and included Lula, who will probably be elected again, and Rafael Correa in Ecuador, and Ortega in Nicaragua, and uh, Evo Morales in Bolivia, and most recently, uh, two new presidents, uh, President Boric in Chile and President Gustavo Petro in Colombia. They're all progressives. They label themselves as progressives, and here is the, the, the core of the problems and the difficulties they are facing and we are facing because of them. First of all, there's enough evidence. It's been almost 20 years of progressive governments in South America, or what is called South America, and there isn't a single significant change for the better with any of these governments, which is not to say at all that we were better off with the other one, but it's exactly that. They tell us it's either this or we get to the worst ones, the other ones. And in fact, today we can say neither one of these uh, bring about any change for the better because they are all progressive. They all believe in progress and progress is the transformation of Mother Earth into merchandise and of human beings and nature as a whole into labor and resources. And they believe in that. And at, the, at best, they believe in the redistribution of that, of those actions, of those activities and policies that lead to the transformation of nature and people into merchandise for the accumulation of wealth, which is always to the benefit of a few. So there are two examples right now, right now, of the new progressive governments, Gabriel Boric in Chile and Gustavo Petro in Colombia, that are we are facing issues today, right now, that expose what you started talking about in the beginning. So uh, it would be, I propose that we can talk a little bit about those two from the indigenous people's perspective, but also from the perspective of Mother Earth. If, if, you, if you agree, that, that would be where I'd start. I think that's a great point. And to understand is that, yes, progress is basically cloaking a term that I learned last few months before is that this term hospicing modernity. So what we're doing is really speaking, like I said, again, the, the, the regurgitation, the, the language of progress, 
but yet it's really hiding and, and cloaking the, the hurt or the damage. So we're always speaking in a damage control language like progress because our listeners may not be so, they want proof, they want examples of what's going on. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure you have that. Well, let's go with Borage. Let's, let's start with him and then work up. Yes. So uh, people may, may remember that our recent times in our region have been characterized by massive uprisings, yes. massive uprisings. So one of the of the most the beginning of the most recent uprisings was Chile or so-called Chile, because now you hear more and more that we say so-called Colombia, so-called Chile, because something that's happening not only with the language but with our hearts. Our, our spirit is that we don't accept these names anymore. These labels, these borders, these nation states, they have failed. They're a creation of the colonizer, and the feeling is out there that we don't accept them. What Something that made these obvious, evident, out in the streets was that the uprisings were for the same reason, the same spirit led to the uprisings in the different countries. So it's the same struggle. It's a time where that spirit is waking up and it, it's it's beginning a process. So Chile, it was the children in high school, pinguinos, the penguins, they called them. And in fact, in elementary schools, and they led the uprising, not just in 2019, but for a decade before. And they were fed up with everything, even if they couldn't verbalize it, they didn't like the world they had to live in, whether governments were left or right. But then there were pretexts, and the pretexts were IMF, International Monetary Fund policies, or the increase of the trans public transportation fees, which made it impossible for people to survive, or gasoline, etc. Well, that was a pretext in Chile for the uprising. In Ecuador, it was the increase of the price of gasoline. In Colombia, it was the increase of the price of... Uh, it was a, a tax reform that was going to tax during and right after the pandemic. It was going to tax the poorest of the poor and leave out the wealthiest of the country when we couldn't even afford to survive, to eat. 60% of the population couldn't have any more than two meals a day and Haiti and everywhere, it was the same, and that led to these uprisings. And here's the progress and the progressive. What happened in all of these countries, at least Ecuador, Colombia, Chile, and Mexico, but I will quote those, was that the uprisings took months. They actually have never ended. And there were millions literally in the streets every day, and councils of people in neighborhoods and rural areas were being formed. Interestingly enough, in Ecuador, in Colombia, in Chile, so-called, the heart of the uprisings were indigenous people. In Ecuador, the majority of people are indigenous, and it was the CONAI, the National Council of Indigenous Peoples, leading them. But in Chile, where they're a majority, it was the Mapuche people of southern Chile, and their flag was the one that was out in the streets, not the Chilean flag. And in Colombia, the minority NASA people and the Creek, the red and green flags, and the indigenous unarmed guard were the ones who came out to the cities to protect 
those in the uprisings that were being shot at against by the police. So these were three uprisings where the indigenous spirit came right out to the forefront. And what was it that led to this? It was against the entire establishment, all of it. If you ask for one reason for the uprising, there wasn't one reason. Everybody was fed up. In fact, in Chile, it was interesting. They said in the streets, phrases such as, uh, we thought we were depressed. It wasn't depression, it was neoliberalism. Or statements such as, uh, I am afraid that when this is all over, we will go back to the normal. And so things like this came out again and again. And so these things, and it was that these were parties, celebration. You didn't see, even though there was anger, that wasn't what you saw. You saw people reaching towards each other, hugging. We wanted to live. And that party of life is just under that crust of lies that is still alive in colonization. So what happened in all of the three countries, Colombia, Ecuador, Chile, was Gabriel Boric, for example, the current president of Chile, came out and according to the people in the streets, betrayed the popular movement and reached an agreement on behalf of the popular movement with President Piñera from the far right to uh, lead to a solution which was a new constituent assembly and a new constitution for Chile to replace the one set in place by the Chicago boys uh, and the Pinochet regime. So nobody wanted a new constitution or an institutional way out, which is going out into the same structure. People wanted a transformation, not a new process. In Ecuador, elections. In Colombia, elections. So the force of the people and the spirit of indigenous people for transformation was manipulated for the sake of power by the progressives. Within a few months, it was either you voted for them or neo-fascist far-right parties would win. So we were captured within the electoral process. And in each one of these countries, we had to decide between the progressives and the far right, which was no real choice. In Ecuador, in Ecuador, they already had a progressive government before, which was awful for indigenous peoples, Correa's government. So they decided not to participate in the electoral process. Conay said, no, neither one of them. So a banker won and indigenous peoples were being blamed for the, the, this uh, defeat of the left progressives by the right banker. But Conai announced that they were going to mobilize again and again until all peoples would be free with Mother Earth. And they have. And they just recently mobilized in a huge uprising. And in spite of the most horrendous repression, the police were legally authorized to shoot people in the streets even if unarmed. In spite of this, they won. They defeated the government and they proved that it wasn't the electoral process that would change anything. In Chile, the Constitutional Assembly was manipulated by the parties of the right and the progressives and washed out into a meaningless text, 
which was rejected by the majority of the people yesterday. Now, the, the leftist and progressives say that it, the people uh, voted for the right, and the right is considering this a major win. This is last night, because they defeated the left. But most people actually said with their vote that the constitutional process would only favor the same oppressive regime. And, and so the spirit of the uprising was actually what won yesterday in very difficult circumstances now because the right feels it has won. And in Colombia, at the end of the uprising, everybody was being called on to vote for Gustavo Petro, the progressive, who promised what we wanted in the street but who, the minute when he was elected, the night he was elected, immediately announced that he would make capitalism work. Not because he liked it, but because there was no choice. So he came from promising our own beliefs, illusions, and hopes to immediately saying we have to be pragmatic within the normal that we feared in the street. So that's more or less where we are now. The saying that as the earth goes, so go indigenous peoples, or so go indigenous peoples as the earth goes. To me, these thinly veiled governments that are being elected in progressive left or even far right as they were with Bolsonaro in Brazil, even here yeah. in the U.S., there is something bubbling. If we're not, we're not aware of the language that we're using because we seem to be going back to the same language to describe a political nature of the elite and how many of us other native people in the world but in the western hemisphere are going to continue on this hollywoodizing bleed because we want that power of politics but it's the earth that's going to eventually come through and say i can't accept capitalism i can't accept the, the imperialism that's happening there with individual leaders, right? I'm here in refuge and sanctuary as an indigenous person because I'm living in, in this area that's one of the most wealthiest places in the U.S. This is what not to be because I know the extraction of even indigenous peoples to use the privilege of the West to, to, to continue to coat and paint the, the Nina, the, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. But we're blinded by that because of the word progress and the new hope and the fix of a promise. That's exactly the point. I, I couldn't agree more. And in fact, the argument now, an epic argument, is coming from Mother Earth. Like we can argue as long as we want and we can have ideological positions, which is also modern and modernity and colonial ideologies etc. But then Mother Earth is talking. Like death is a certainty today. The death of life, the death of the human species, and the death caused by a social system, by by a, a, a system of accumulation and transformation of, of wealth into merchandise and the accumulation by a few. That's an argument that nobody can deny today, even if they try. Modernity accumulation by a few a few patriarchy 
destruction of Mother Earth, all those together are leading us to suicide. And that also leads to Mother Earth speaking and acting through those peoples. By that, I don't mean only human beings. Those nations of beings who are being murdered, destroyed with Mother Earth, and who are actually stating whether in words or not, beyond ideologies, they're expressing the fact that we either stop this or we're all dead. That we're actually talking about, Mother Earth is talking about saving even those who are destroying us, who are responsible of destroying us. So one clear example right now today, so people don't think this is an abstraction. Right Today, these days, in northern Cauca, where we live, there's a process that was labeled clearly the liberation of Mother Earth. And it began in 2004. And what happened then was indigenous peoples and NASA people in northern Cauca made a statement, a mandate, stating that Mother Earth can, cannot even feed its children today. It's been poisoned, hackled, abused, starved, and it's dying. Either we free Mother Earth from agribusiness, from mining, from the policies of greed, or we all die. That statement made, then it wasn't the redistribution of land that was the purpose of this exercise. It was the liberation of Mother Earth with us, so it could feed us. It was to feed us with Mother Earth, which is the essence of indigenous people everywhere. It's the only mother, the only political structure that exists, the only social order that exists is Mother Earth. Whatever else, so it seems ridiculous to think that political parties, nation states, etc can exist when you compare them with Earth democracy, the democracy of Mother Earth. And so the liberation of Mother Earth started. And what is happening today is that the agribusiness of sugarcane plantations that have taken over the entire uh, valley, Cauca Valley area, poisoning the land, making a lot of wealth, exploiting Afro-Colombians and indigenous peoples, displacing. I mean, this is an accumulation of crimes against Mother Earth and against humanity, which have led to a point where, where people are starving and the, they have accumulated so much wealth that they don't know what to do with it. But they're poisoning us because it's sugar and sugar kills us more than cocaine does the monoculture of sugar, so it's pop, it's everything else. So what the, the agribusiness is doing now is generating a confrontation between Afro-Colombians and indigenous people, some Afro-Colombians and indigenous people. Afro-Colombians that work for them because they can't find any other source of income and they work as slaves. So they will lose even that enslaved job if they do not protect the agribusiness. So they are confronting indigenous peoples 
Afri these, these groups paid by the agribusiness, supported by the armed forces, have entered the land freed by indigenous people, liberated by indigenous people, caused destructions, wounding people, and then the indigenous peoples come back and recover those. And uh, then the agribusiness speakers come out and said they're very worried because native people are creating a confrontation between Afro-Colombians and indigenous, as though they have nothing to do with it. And they have been the ones leading to this catastrophe. They, as long as they keep these lands for monoculture, we're all dying and they're making money and they're making us fight against each other. But worse still, the government of Gustavo Petro has a vice president that comes from Northern Cauca. She is Afro-Colombian and she has fought these issues all along. So she came out this week with an indigenous person, NASA, who has a high position in the government for land restitution. He's the head of the office of land restitution. And together they had a black face and an indigenous face stating that they will not tolerate invaders of land. So they labeled their own people invaders and they gave them 48 hours to leave or else they would send the police because they wouldn't tolerate the violation to the law, progress, modernity, which is what you do from the state. Rather than saying, we give 48 hours to those illegitimate abusers that come from La Pinta, La Niña, La Santa Maria up to now and have destroyed and are killing the land and they have 48 hours to leave because this has changed. So what's going on now is this. That gives you the context of Colombia. And when we talk about the context, you talked about the, the grounding of the NASA in the Conai in Ecuador and uh, NASA in, in Colombia. And Mapuche in, in Chile. And the Mapuche in Chile. And then you can go over to the other side of the continent, Brazil, the, the up and coming Lula will be reelected yes. if, if not already in place mm -hmm. in Venezuela, you know, all these so-called hotspots that the U.S. is worried about. And now the face of a black and indigenous person together. And that is hospicing modernity language. That's a threat that shouldn't be happening because we have control as the colonizer. We're supposed to. Otherwise, the world economy is going to go down a drain and everybody's going to starve. But that's their thoughts, their control, because they're basing it on making decisions through the bank, while Native people are still making decisions through Mother Earth. Yeah, that's exactly the problem. And the, the, the big problem is, as you have just said, that, that language and what leads to that language of modernity and destruction and progress inhabits us, inhabits many indigenous people, inhabits many Afro-Colombians, inhabits many people from the left. So that's it. It's a, it's a, a damaging spirit that is, feels threatened and understands nothing beyond its way of doing things. So if we don't have the state, the laws, the big industries, the extractive industries, the jobs, we will die, when in fact the truth today is quite the opposite. As long as we keep believing in jobs, policies, nation-state, 
big industries, banks, accumulation, it's inevitable, we will die. But we defend our path to suicide. In the meantime, Mother Earth is telling us we need a new mentality. We need to free ourselves from that. And then we discover that that new mentality is the most ancient of all mentality. It is based on women's relationship to Mother Earth and their liberation, which is our liberation. And it is based on indigenous knowledge, the essential knowledge, which is we are children of Mother Earth, collectively, under the rules and the laws of Mother Earth, we will survive. And there is nothing else. Everything else is a game, a lie. And that's where we are today. But you, you put it in such a way that it's clearly visible to anyone that can see. It's either we get rid of that mentality, beginning by recognizing it in our language, in our behavior, in our beliefs, or we will keep falling into the trap. We don't need a few coins of charity. We don't need to make the system work so that there are less people in poverty and more people with employment. We don't need that. What we need is to free ourselves with Mother Earth from this mentality and live in a completely different way, which doesn't mean, as they, they mockingly say, going back 5,000 years into living up in trees. It means bringing up today a way of living with Mother Earth and reappropriating what the whole process of modernity has developed, but so that it doesn't harm Mother Earth, but allows us to live with it. Like the Hopi people have said always, if we are to survive, we have to learn to live with Mother Earth, not from it. And we'll continue with Dr. Manuel Rosenthal as you listen to First Voices Radio. My name is Teokus and Ghost Horse. Welcome back to First Voices Radio. My name is Teokus and Ghost Horse. And Dr. Manuel Rosenthal is a longtime Colombian activist, researcher, and community organizer. He's been involved with grassroots political organizing with the youth, indigenous communities, which he lives with and among, and urban and rural social movements for four decades. Part of an initiative, Peoples on a Path with the Mandate to Weave Autonomies and Resistance Between Peoples. And we continue with our discussion. I really want to emphasize the language and it's the indigeneity within all of us. Every human being has that, but to forget has been distancing ourselves over the centuries. It's happening again to, to native people. The, re, the recolonizing has been brought by the Catholic Church in that area, especially in South America. And we're committing a crime against ourselves by continuing to commit crimes against the earth. There's an old Latin saying, fallo de se, it means to commit crime against self. 
And when we destroy the earth, we are committing that crime. But we found a damage control language to not really root the problem. And to me, the visit by the Pope in North America to apologize to Native people and the Native people going forward and giving this this entity of centuries of, of inquisition is that is exactly what's going on again is the second maybe a third inquisition that's happening and we're not seeing the evidence as upfront as modernity wants us not to is what i'm saying is that if we have advantage of information through internet through social media we're not really seeing and if they're having control of that we're not really seeing the depth of the reality that what's happening to the earth because we're given the dream yet and we're an elusive, even in ourselves, that what could be happening is apologizing to the earth. Yes. Will that happen? Will that ever happen because of the mm-hmm. language that keeps us addicted to that promise? I I was feeling and thinking exactly about the Pope's visit and what you're talking about right now. I was... Uh, I lived with the Cree nation in northern Saskatchewan, with the Dene, for a number of years when I had to go into exile. And I heard them. They told me these stories about the residential school with enormous pain. They were basically destroyed. It was the extermination of the brutes applied to uh, Native people in Canada. And what we're seeing now, and with the post-visit, is a language to cover up. First of all, the Pope leaves all this in the past. The Prime Minister of Canada, uh, Trudeau, stands in the crowd behind the Pope as though it is the Pope who has to apologize and not the state itself, which he represents at the highest level. And then reconciliation from that. So you bury in the past something that is alive today. Uh, Those children are coming out of the earth to tell everybody we're here, we're missing. And what is missing is what they tried to destroy actively as a policy of the conqueror. We were, we were considered and are still considered an impediment to modernity. Therefore, the crime that the Pope is recognizing is that some children were killed in the past, that the method was wrong, but not the purpose of it, not the end result of it, not what they still want to achieve, what they're still doing everywhere, all over the world. So I heard the testimonies of indigenous elders recently around this issue from Kamloops, where they first unveiled with technology what people had already said with their own testimony. And I heard, I'm, I'm just going to share two testimonies from, they, I, I was so hurt. It was so painful to watch this. And there was one elder who said, I believe in reconciliation because I cannot heal myself. And the way, the way I understand reconciliation is not a pardon. It is that those who cause this damage that I've lived with all my life, I never learned how to be a parent because they destroyed it. 
I hated myself. They taught me that. So I want them in front of me, facing me, and reconciliation is the process whereby they discover that and I rediscover myself. That I believe in. I think reconciliation can only be that. So it's a confrontation with that modernity and that language until it's destroyed, and then we can reconcile ourselves. Then there's another man who's a current chief in his community, and he's wearing this big hat, black hat, and he's a very tough man. You can tell he's a strong man. And when they ask him the question about reconciliation, his head goes down, and then he lifts his head and he's crying, which shocks you immediately. And then he says, look, I was never in a residential school. My mom was. And she was raped from the age of seven until she got out of there with her life destroyed. And I am uh, a, a son of that woman. Now, I'll tell you what I feel about reconciliation. I pray to God that there is, that there is hell so that those assholes can go there. Two at the same, and then there were other women, I can give more examples, but that's it. Like the hurt is there, and imagine if Mother Earth could talk in words, or imagine that we could listen to her, because they've done to her exactly what they did to those children and to those people, and they're doing to her that today, it's not in the past. So if the Pope says, forgive me for what happened before, It is the usual Catholic Church. You sin, you confess, and then penance, and you're free. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's changing completely. It's listening to Mother Earth and to Mother Earth's children who have been hurt. But I wanted to address something else, because you were referring to me. I am supposedly not an indigenous person. I don't look indigenous. I was born in an indigenous community, etc. But I have been taught. I had to break that mentality. And I am, I can say it clearly, I am thanks to the collective us with Mother Earth. And that gift I wish for everyone. But one doesn't learn kindly. One learns facing one's shame. And that has to be done. So it's no more solutions through progress, no more solutions through modernity, a change in mentality reflected in the, in the leaving behind the colonial system for good. Now, some people may think we're talking utopias and stuff. I'll tell you what a utopia is, carrying on with this garbage. It leads nowhere, only to death. Oh, this is so good, man, yeah. well, to, to hear you know, your your thoughts on that, because, you know, my first program, my first radio title for, for that program I was using when I began in 92 was called Exposing the Apologetic Predator. Wow. And, and that work is really about the process that you're saying, because that's where we have to, you know, understand the grief. All humans, I think, have this but to where it started and why it was banned back in the fifth century in Europe, it was people could not, it was against the law to mourn, to grieve. It was, so you see how much has been stunted to stop empathy. 
empathy for the earth, empathy for human beings. So when we regain empathy, and I would say reconciliation is, is an important word, but the action of it was to say, now we're reconciled, so let's not think about the past, let's be quiet about it. But it's speaking louder and louder to me that the earth is already asserting herself with this underlying unity, and you're, you're allowing that to come by working with the people and the earth and, and describing your experience from you know understanding, uncovering the intellectualism to, to really feeling the empathy that we, uh, a lot of people still feel. So when you describe the um, this sort of God of war, this through religion and government and military and technology, um, not all of them coming from dogma. It's about the domination, yeah. So when, when and I'm understanding it this way, Manuel, is if you have not a concept or for domination or a word for it, then your language must be one of relationship. And you said it so well when you described your process and experiencing that. You have to relearn and understand differently that it takes more of a relationship with the earth and the people of the earth rather than the domination of the earth and of those peoples. Yes. In fact, uh, and the way I saw it, you're helping me uh, name some stuff that I couldn't find ways to express, but I think now I can see it. And it, when we were out in the uprising, uh, in the streets, and we were being attacked by the police, but we we're also chanting and dancing and expressing our anger and seeing each other. <laughs> I mean, the, the neighbor wasn't an enemy. It wasn't competition. It was something different, and it was right out there in the street. Then we faced a challenge that is exactly what I heard you saying now, empathy, which is we, we, if we manage to discover, to unveil uh, the way in which we can connect to each other, we can find each other, we can face each other, we will develop the political and social agendas that will transform this planet. So it, it isn't something that let's pray and everything will be okay. Uh -uh. It is the most pragmatic revolutionary action you can find. You have to, because also empathy is very hard because it has to be based on being critical and self-critical. If I criticize you, I care for you. Same the other way around. But if I don't care for you, I don't have a right to criticize you. And so we have to do that. So the empathy involves being very hard with one another so that we can get rid of, we can recognize that the person I'm looking at and the person I see in the mirror is deformed, distorted. But we defend that distorted person. We protect it because we think it's us. We have been made by modernity and this language to believe that that which we can see, what we can perceive in the mirror or looking at one another, our function in society, that that is us. But it isn't. And in order for us, we have to destroy ourselves, destroy that, that we, that we see in the mirror with whom we talk every day, that's not me. 
So when I am patriarchal, when I am greedy, when I am selfish, when I cannot care about Mother Earth because I forgot how to do it, that's not me. But I think it's me. I believe it's me. So I need help. I need the help of those who challenge me and make me feel ashamed of that me. And that shame is revolutionary because then I have to be humble and say I have to start all over again and discover who I am. And I cannot do it alone. I have to do it with Mother Earth and collectively, which is what happens every single time I listen to you or we talk. Thank you for that. So, you know, one, one more thing. We have a few minutes left. Here's my 88-year-old mother saying this. We cannot speak Lakota language mm -hmm. without intuition. What does that say to you? <laughs> Everything. Absolutely, there is exactly there is that. I've heard it so many times from so many indigenous women all over the place. What we call intuition is the is a seed of wisdom that is always germinating in the shadow of our hearts. So if 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 you intuitively know, learn how to listen to it, then then we can change and we can relate to each other. So absolutely, intuition is the core of this transformation. And I mean, she said it. It's just perfect. That's the way it is. Thank you for your consciousness coming from a place that is the indigeneity in all of us. And I think that's what the, the purpose of this domination is, is to keep us from that consciousness that we are in, in, involved in the intuition. And again, I'll put it as one of my ancestors, Black Elk said, the center of the universe is everywhere. So that gets rid of ego, gets rid of domination, all of that, you know, so. All of it. Yeah. You know, we, we, I mean, what they call Panama now, and we're very close to going to the Kunayala territory. Most people don't know this because actually this was the military base for the South Command for so many years. This was U.S. territory taken by the U.S. Two hours away from here, less than 100 kilometers, begins a territory that in 1925 was the object of the Kuna Revolution. The indigenous Kuna in 1925 decided we are going to live within our territory again, and everybody else will have to respect it. And there was an uprising. They barely had weapons. They barely had the, the strength, apparently, in technological uh, means to do it. But they did it because they wanted nothing else. It was that or death. People don't know that Panama has a border with Cunayala. And if you want to go in there, you have to show your passport. You have to go through what the indigenous authorities say. And they have a council of elders, the general council of the Kuna, that rules the place in ancestral way. And they sent people, I'd like to end with this, because I think it's very important. They sent people, the young people in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, right after the revolution, they sent them out to see the world, to learn, to learn the language, to learn everything about Western uh, communities and other peoples. 
and then to come back. And they warned them, you, you learn everything you want, but you cannot laugh their laughter or uh, share tears for their pain. Because that laughter and that pain is trapped within a lie that will destroy it. If you bring that wisdom back, we will forever help them to recover their own freedom. We'll be there tomorrow. I think we should quote unquote end this conversation with that thought. So thank you very much again. And while Rosen for talk, the visit. It's just an honor all the time. And you know, I I don't want this uh time to constrain us from giving energy, making medicine over technology, if we can say it that much. That's what we did. Thank you so much, Manuel. That we did. You be you be well. to you. That's right. You be well, Manuel. Thank you. You too. You All too. Right. Take care. Bye bye. City by the Mark Hyphen Almond Band out of New York. 
This is First Voices Radio. My name is Teokas and Ghost Horse. Thank you for joining us here as we continue with Indigenous thinking, Indigenous thought, and seeking the indigeneity in all of us. And this one is in memory of our friend Andre Volchek. to people's displaced and he was always listening If a little birdie flew into his space he was always listening And with the spirit of the ancient ways he was always receiving He said Come with me people, stand up with me people As one and as equals, let's honor all people Come with me people, stand up with me people As one and as equals, let's honor all people All people Honor all people Honor all people in every way and she was always listening dedication to people displaced and she was always listening and if a lion moved through her space she was always listening and with the spirit of the ancient ways she was always receiving Come with me people, stand up with me people As one and as equals, let's honor all people Come with me people, stand up with me people As one and as equals, let's honor all people Come with me people, stand up with me people As one and as equals, let's honor all people Come with me people, stand up with me people As one and as equals, let's honor our people, our people. Too hard. 